Thank you for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, as well as additional resources, please check us out on the web at cwc5.com. Now let's join Dr. John Holler for part four of Healing. It's God's will for you. I want to ask you to take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We hope you brought a Bible, even though we do put all of these scriptures up on the screen. It's just better to have a Bible with you, because you might want to mark them in your Bible and go back and look at them yourself sometime. Really powerful. I have, a, I have an enormous amount of scripture to get to you today. Most of what I'm going to be doing to you, uh, with you today is just reading the Bible to you, Okay. And I, I know there are numerous homiletics, ex-homiletic students, people that I've taught concerning public speaking and preaching and what have you in this, in this room today. And I'm going to ask you all to shut off your critique, your critiquer today, because I'm going to break every rule I ever taught you just about. Because, I, 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 you know, there are times when you have to teach topically. There are just are times when you have to do it. And this, this series of messages has been one of those where we have to teach topically. But it's, we're, we're loading God's people up with the Word. Amen. Because more than anything, we want you to live this year in health. We want you to start this year in good, strong bodies, strong health. And we're going to get it started right that way. Because I'll tell you something. If you are sick physically, it affects you spiritually. Because you wind up focusing on that pain. You wind up focusing on that, that, you know, that, that uh, pronouncement from the doctor or whatever. Speaking of doctors, I walked in the room here today. And Dr. Philip Cook said, I was up over there at the coffee bar, and he said, Pastor John, I've got testimonies just this week alone. After all this teaching on healing, he said, this week alone, there were three outright miracles in my practice this week. People healed instantaneously. Come on, you ought to shout bigger than that, praise God. Hallelujah. Woo. That's awesome. We're not talking about the pastor's ministry. We're talking about the members ministry. That's beautiful, isn't it? I love that. So take your Bible, please, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to begin reading with verse 1. I, I know up on the screen probably you're only going to get verse 3, but uh, I want to share this with you because I, I, I told them wrong on the, on the scripture references. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Gentile church. The gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. By which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Believed what? The gospel. For I did deliver it unto you, first of all, that which I also received. What was that he received? The gospel. How that Christ died for our sins. Now he's giving us the central points of the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. It seems like Paul stuck on the scriptures. Come on now, you need to get stuck on the scriptures. Praise the Lord. Yeah, he's stuck on the scriptures. Gospel according to the scriptures. 
It's a fact that Christ died for our sins. That's why there's so many people called into ministry is to get this message out. We must get the message out. Not just the preachers called to get the message out, but we've been called to train God's people to get the message out. Get the message out. Pastor Joe and Tricia Outlaw are here from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They've been ministry friends of ours for I don't know how many years. I mean, we've known each other for about, is it 100 or 110? It's been a long time. Of course, Trisha's only about 15 years old, so I guess it wouldn't be 110 years. But we, we've, we're 14. We've known each other 14 years, been, been in ministry affiliation for a long time, and the Lord is leading them into, an, into a new direction. See, that's the thing about people. When you get called in the ministry, you don't ever quit. Quit? Are you kidding? Quit? No, you don't ever quit. You plan for retirement, but you don't ever retire. You know? And uh, so, so, so there's no quit in, the, in their ministry. It's just a, a new day, a new chapter, a transition. And, and when you think about Pastor Joe and Trish, you might want to just lift them up in prayer that God give them good, clear direction. That's why they're here fellowship with us today. But, I mean, I think about the call of God. I've met lots of pastors all through the years, you know, who were in limbo between, between ministries. But they were just as on fire for the gospel as they ever were, even though they might not have preached for a few weeks or a few months or even for a few years. On the inside, it's still burned like a furnace burning on the inside. And they can't get rid of it. They go to bed thinking, well, all right, I'll just go get a job. They wake up in the morning, they go get the job, preach to everybody there and get fired. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, it, it's, just, it's, just, it's just there. This, this thing drove the Apostle Paul because he knew the power of this message. When you really know the power of this message, you'll understand why we're eating up with it. You'll understand, young people, why your mom and dad keep saying, we're going to church. But I don't understand, yeah, we're going to church. And, and some of you moms and dads will understand why your kids are dragging you to church. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Especially this youth group. My goodness, where is Jeremy? Where is Jeremy? Huh? Huh? He went, he, what? He did. What was the matter? He's not feeling well. And he knows we're preaching on healing. When I get to him, he's going to feel even worse. <laughs> Christ died for our sins. Hear it. Christ died for our, for our sins. What does that mean? What does it mean that Christ died for our sins with respect to healing? Let me tell you what it means. When he died for your sins, that means he died. It automatically means he died for everything that sin caused. Whatever came to mankind because of that sin in the garden, whatever came... Jesus died as a result. He didn't just die to fix all the symptoms. He died to fix the thing that caused the symptoms. Can I have a good amen? When Jesus healed a leper, he didn't just heal him of the virus or the, the bacteria that was causing that. He didn't just heal him of the bug and stop the progression of the disease. No, if he'd lost fingers, the guy got new fingers. I mean, Jesus healed him all. 
healed them completely. That's what the Bible says. He, his healings were complete and powerful and total. It wasn't just stopping the disease. It was restoring everything that had been lost. That's why you've got to believe it. That when Jesus died for your sins, that means He died for everything that came into our lives because of sin. Can I have a good amen in this house? He died for everything that, that, that was caused by sin. Well, what are some of the things that were caused by sin? Let me tell you one of the things that was caused by sin. Poverty. You were shouting just two minutes ago, but all of a sudden we get all politically correct when we go to talking about money in church. Adam and Eve had no lack in that garden, and I would trade whatever I have for what they had. I don't have to. Jesus purchased it all back for me. Gave them authority, gave them everything. And I want you to, when you read that story sometime, you'll see. Genesis chapter 3, Adam never got cursed. But his ability to make a living did. The ground was what got cursed. And now God said, now you're going to put seeds in the ground and briars and thorns are going to come up with it. The ground was cursed. His ability to make a living was what happened. One of the worst things that can happen to a person is to have to live hand to mouth where they can just barely get by. It's one of the worst things that can happen to people. We just live hand to mouth where all you think about is how to make that next paycheck, how to make that next payment. And I, I, Christians all over the world are just bound up in that day-to-day existence. And they sing the song, I'm feasting on manna from heaven. Like, 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 like they were feasting on manna out there in that wilderness. You need to read the account. That was not a feast. They couldn't even get enough for the next day unless it happened to be Thursday or Friday. It was a hand-to-mouth existence. That's all it was. And it was never, everybody shout never, never the will of God for them to live out there in that wilderness. That was, all, that was, I mean, that was just rations. That was just barely get-by rations. That's all that was. They had left the land of not enough, Egypt. They found themselves for 40 years in the land of just enough. Oh, Lord. I don't know who that is. It's somebody in my past. It just pops up every now and then. Oh, oh Lord. I, I don't want to be rich. I just want enough for me and my four no more. You want to live on Barely Get Along Street. You want to live where you, yeah, well, you don't act like that. You work two jobs miss church half the time. You know, act like you want to just bear. I'm not talking to y'all, you're here, but I'm just saying. I'm talking to all these empty seats. Huh? Oh, Lord, I just barely want to get them. Well, nobody really acts like that. You don't, you don't talk like that. You don't walk into that boss and he, he says, hey, I want to give you a raise. No. No. I'd have more than enough then. And I, Mr. Boss, man, in fact, I was thinking about cut, asking you to cut my pay where I'd have just barely enough. Does anybody ever talk? They pray like that, but they don't ever live like that. Come on, let's just be honest about this deal. How many of you have more money than you can possibly stand? Not yet. How many of you think there's room for growth in that area? How many of you believe in room for growth in that area? All right, now we're being honest. Glory to God. And you're all on different economic levels. But we always know, why, why? What, what are you doing with your money? I'll tell you what you need to do with it. You need to say, God, 
I want to be used to further the kingdom. And you get that mindset, you get that in your heart, I promise you, God will see to it. He'll see to it that that Mercedes-Benz that used to park down at the bar winds up at your house, winds up in chur- at church in the parking lot on Sunday morning. All those diamonds and jewels that are, wind- that are down there at the club on Saturday night, they're going to wind up in church on Sunday morning. Amen. Wow. That's one thing. The next thing is a big thing. One of the things that sin brought was immediately there was every kind of physical destruction began to happen to mankind. Immediately they started dying. They just started dying. Now they lived 900 and some years, most of them, but they were still dying. It wasn't long after that, right after the flood, they went to about 300 years. By the time Abraham came along 10 generations later or so, 10 or 12 generations after Noah, they were down to about 150, 175 years. And it just went down and down from there. Something happened to the genetic structure of man. Something happened to his molecular structure. Something happened. Caused him not to be able to resist disease anymore. What was that something? Sin. Sin brought the whole thing on. Sin brought the whole thing on. And if sin can never be God's will. How many of you have ever sinned? Come on, I won't look. How many of you have ever sinned? How many of you sinned and said, Wow, I have never been more in the will of God than when I was sinning. Huh? No, 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 no. How many of you, when you sinned, you knew and you know now you were out of the will of God? Let me see your hand. Okay. So we're all on the same page. I know this seems simplistic, but I'm just trying to, trying to tie this to something. If that sin can never be the will of God, how can its outcome ever be the will of God? It doesn't make any sense. A holy God has no room for that in his life. Well, you know, the Lord gave me cancer. No, he can only give you what he possesses. They don't have baskets of cancer laying around up in heaven. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. How many of you feel like maybe the will of God is being done in heaven? Come on, you can, you can agree. Is the will of God being done in heaven today? Okay, of course it is. We're supposed to believe that it's the will of God for that will that's being done in heaven to be done here. Now, no, 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 no. If the will of God is being done in heaven, how many sick folk are there? Not one? Now, there's some, there were some folks who were sick here that, that sickness took them through that passage and they wound up there. But when they got there, my daddy whose legs wouldn't work anymore. And it basically ended his life. You know what? His legs are working today. Amen. He's not sick up there. He's completely healthy there. All the will of God is being done in glory. Jesus taught us to pray this way. Why? Because the gospel, I said, the gospel means Christ died for sins, our sins, and everything it caused. I want you to hold on to that thought for a minute. And everything it caused. Every malady, sickness, and disease known to man is caused by sin. Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 9. John chapter 9.
this is Exodus John. Chapter 9. Verse 1. You got it? And Jesus passed by. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which, had, which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now you see how, how what his disciples thought? Do you see what his disciples thought? There were no other options for them. They said, all right, which, who, who, who sinned? He didn't say, they didn't ask, I wonder if it was sin that caused this. Sin can cause, a specific sin can cause a specific sickness. Sure it can. But all sickness comes from sin somewhere. And these guys wanted to know, they had it in their minds, that if there was this kind of sickness, somebody close to this deal sinned and let it in. This is what they believed. That's why he asked the question. They asked the question like this. Jesus, all right, who sinned here? This guy? Who was blind from his mother's womb? Or was it his parents? We don't think there are any other options. Jesus said, neither. What? No, 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 you didn't answer the question. We said, was it him? Or was it his parents? Now, now, which one? Neither. That's not a good answer. It's got to be one of them. Are you hearing me? This is where they were coming from. Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents. Now, wait a minute. No, 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 no. The Bible says that all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Well, I mean, we know these people had sinned. Right? Everybody hear me. We know they'd sinned. I mean, if I said, who in this building has never sinned? It's going to get real quiet in here. Maybe Heather, but everybody else. <laughs> I said maybe. Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God may be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while... It is day. You've got to read that right, by the way. They stuck those numbers in there and broke that sentence right in half. Made it sound like it said something else. Just for your information, the verse breaks are not scriptural. Somebody did that, it, didn't, that it wasn't right in the Bible. I mean, I'm thankful for it, but sometimes they put them in the wrong place. He says, neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest. I must work the works of him that sent me. It's the only way it makes any sense. Ah, so that the works of God are going to get manifested. I've got to work the works. He didn't say it was done so that, work, he, that this guy was sick, so that the work, works of God could be manifested. That'd be the kingdom of God working against itself. And Jesus said, that doesn't happen. Follow this? So he, uh, he says, neither. Neither this man nor his parents. We don't understand this, Jesus. Then how in the world did he wind up blind from birth? It's got to be somebody's fault. It is somebody's fault. It is somebody's fault. Miss Ann was talking to a darling Christian lady. 
who's had lots of challenges of late and wound up falling out of church. Been out of church for months and months. And she comes down with cancer. And uh, a voice said to her, in her own voice, said, Yeah, you got cancer. You deserve it. You deserve it. And laying out of church, you deserve it. You got cancer. You laying out. That's you deserve it. That's what she thought. But she said, no quicker, no, no, no sooner than that than that uh, that that thought came to her, because that was her first thought. Evidently, she remembered some of the things she had learned in church. And she said out loud with her mouth, No, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. This isn't from God. God doesn't have cancer to give anybody. <laughs> now, she, maybe she sinned. But to get that, Jesus said nobody sinned to get this. I'm going to do the works of God. I told you not too awful long ago. I told you not too awful long ago, about three weeks ago. Remember? Some folks say, well, I, you know, I know, I know sister so-and-so's got that diabetes, but it's all her fault because the way she eats. Well, now that is right in the natural. There's Jeremy. Praise God. Hallelujah. Like a resurrection. Praise God. Amen. Bragging on what a great youth pastor I have. And they said, uh, he's not here, Pastor John. Oh, my youth pastor doesn't go to church. What day do we make out the paychecks? What day? We'll see if he's there Tuesday. having just too much fun at Jeremy's expense, so we'll move right along. <laughs> you feeling okay, son? You feeling better? We're having a healing service here today, you know. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. All right. <laughs> it's like that entry in one of the church bulletins. Not here, but they printed a church bulletin and said, said, due to the pastor's illness, the healing service on Wednesday night will be canceled. <laughs> Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. I want to keep reading. Verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with with the clay and said unto him go wash in the pool of Siloam which is by interpretation sent that's what the word Siloam means sent he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing that place I'm fully convinced was named Siloam sent for this moment it was made for this moment because this moment was going to wind up in the scriptures now the devil had done his best to run the reputation of Siloam because there used to be a tower there, and it fell and killed 18 men. But we know it's a little bit suspicious because it killed 18 men. That's three sixes. 
a demonic activity. And they asked about that moment. They said, uh, those people that died in that tower accident, were they great sinners? And Jesus said, you think those people that died in the, in the Tower of Siloam accident, you think they're great, worse sinners than everybody else? Are you hearing me? It's so easy for us to get judgmental about personal sins and miss out on the promises and blessings of God. Jesus didn't go around and find all the people who were okay with God and say, let me help you, brother. No, he found the most despicable people. He found the most despicable people. And by the way, good performance is no indication that you're necessarily going to have good health. I know what they tell you down at the health, uh, at the health department, but that's just not true. Because there's a devil out there inventing new diseases every day. Don't you forget, I told you this three weeks ago, don't forget, there's this big rage, I mean, oh, it's just all the rage about the, about, uh, uh, the Mediterranean diet. Every single person Jesus healed was on the Mediterranean diet. Every single one of them. You better be trusting in the power of God to heal. For him. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're on the Mediterranean diet, God bless you. Hope it works. Now, don't put too much trust in that. And here's why. I'm going to show you why they felt the way they did. Look at Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. They had a covenant about this kind of theology. They had a covenant with God about this kind of theology that, that, that uh, Philip and the others believed. God says to them, Exodus 15, 26, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight. Well, who did that? And wilt give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Have you read any of the statutes of the Old Testament? You've got to keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. What a precious promise, but look what it's attached to. Look what that promise, he, he calls himself Jehovah Rapha. This is more than just a promise. Here he's actually changing his name and making it a covenant name. One of the eight covenant names of God, and here's one of them. I am Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord healer. The actual Hebrew is Rofeka, and it just means I am the one who heals you. So he's Jehovah the healer to them. On one tiny little condition, you've got to keep every single statute perfectly. That's not the best promise for you to claim, by the way. It's based on that aspect of healing that old testament kind of healing if you perform well and you do every single thing right all the statutes all the commandments then i'll be your healer all that is not i mean it's amazing how many how many preachers you listen to to have no idea how to preach the old testament and they're going to lay shame and blame on everybody who's sick well i've got good news for you today if you're sick god wants you well he loves you just like you are praise god He's going to love you out of, that, out of that bad way of eating. He's going to love you out of that stupidity that got you in the trouble. Well, he, he got in that trouble all by himself. Well, who didn't? Who doesn't find themselves in the condition they're in because of their own doing? 
Is this the right church? That's why we all needed this message of the grace of God and believing it. This is where Philip and the disciples are coming from. Well, you know, who, who did this? Who caused this, him or his parents? They're thinking about Exodus 15, 26. They have to be. Somebody did something wrong to make this happen. John 14, verse 8. Let's turn there real quick. John 14. Kind of interesting that Miss Ann went right straight to John 14. And her, that was good. That was good. I thought she was going to preach my message. She does that sometimes. But I quit beating her a long time ago. Not that you don't need one now and then, but I, I, don't, I don't do it anymore. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Amen. John 14. John 14 and verse 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll suffice us, or, or, or it'll satisfy us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been with you so long? Have I been so long a time with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? See, because this Jesus, even to Philip, this Jesus doesn't look like the God that Philip was raised with. Philip was raised with the Jehovah Rapha, the God who made you do everything right. They didn't know what this was. This was just some wonderful supernatural spot in time where grace was just being poured out. But they really wanted to know what God was like. Isn't it amazing how people are still wondering about this? Well, yeah, I know God. I know, preacher, you say God's love, but he's also justice. Just show me that verse. Just show me that verse. He is just, but is he justice itself? No. He is love itself. There would be no need for justice if love was doing... If love was allowed to do what it's supposed to do, nobody would be clamoring about justice and the need for justice. If love was truly doing what it's doing, I say America has not slidden back from the Ten Commandments. And, and the Ten Commandments is not what we need in our schools and in our courses. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ again back in our schools and back in our courthouses. Even if they say, okay, you put the Ten Commandments back. Well, that's going to take us a little ways, but that is, that is not what we need in this country. That is not what we need anywhere. It's not what human beings need. They need good news for a change. But I'm perfectly convinced that it is the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. It brings us to a turnaround. It's what, you get somebody healed. Healed by Almighty God, it's amazing. It's amazing the impact that'll have on them. Somebody who dies and they find themselves in hell, and if they can come back from that place, come back to life, it takes them about all three seconds to get saved. And their life is eternally changed. Going to hell didn't fix them. Getting out of hell is what fixed them. Can I have a better amen? I mean... All right. I've been with you all this time. You don't know me, Philip. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Before, before, you, you get the idea. Well, you know, the Lord sometimes, you know, does these kind of things to teach us. You get that idea. Uh, what you have to show me 
is just one time. I just want to say it one time. Just once. Just once. Not ten. I'll take just one. One time where Jesus made somebody sick. Where Jesus made somebody. Did Jesus make anybody sick? If you don't see Jesus making anybody sick, then your theology about God making people sick, you made up in your own head. And by the way, that is sick. Made that up in your own head. Jesus showed us the Father. He showed us what the Father was like. He is a good, good God. Come on, tell two people, He's a good God. Verse 10. Believest thou not that I, am, the, that I in, am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake show us the father are you kidding are you kidding you haven't seen him so far no they hadn't i mean they were looking right at him but they didn't know it was him because they thought the god of the bible was the one who made you perform well before he'd do anything good for you john chapter 1 verse 14 john chapter 1 and verse 14 are you still with me is this more scripture than you can handle in one day okay I thought y'all were Bible readers. Somebody told me. John chapter 1 and, and verse 14. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Full of grace and truth. Verse 15. Yeah, I might as well go ahead and read verse 15. John bear witness. Come on, my little machine. You've got to bear with me here. John bear witness of him. And cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me, after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Okay, verse 16. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. Now look at verse 17. This is the most astonishing verse. Grace for grace. For the law was, what? For the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It's one thing to send a word out there, but it's another thing altogether to bring it. And he came in the very personage of a man. He was man. But here's Almighty God himself bringing. When he shows up, I mean, a word came and it was the law. But when he showed up, grace and truth came. Amen. All that ever done was seeing the Father through the law. But now they're seeing the Father right before them. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It is my intention this morning, while we, we do know there are things we need to do to enact our faith, there are works to, to, to do to enact our faith. I want you to understand that when you get healed, it really is an act 
of the grace of God. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. Now let's go back to John chapter 14. We're going to wrap this up in just a few moments. John chapter 14. Are you still there? All right. John chapter 14 and verse 12. says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because, shall you do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever, listen to this, ye shall ask in my name, that will I do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Woo, this is so good. This is so good. And he said, look, 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 look. Now you've seen me do these things. And you think they're astonishing. Oh, you think it's mixed up. Hey, you're going to do the same things. If you believe on me, you're going to do the same things. I was, uh, I was struck by something not, not too many years ago. And I'm here to tell you that this morning God gave me new insight and revelation on what, what I'm about to tell you this morning for this service. In an atom, it tells, and I know that there's, there's greater dimensions to this than what I'm about to share with you, but there are three primary particles, right? Anybody know what they are? A proton, a neutron, and electrons. So there's protons, neutrons, and electrons. Protons, neutrons, and electrons. Now, the electron is out there going, all out there in the, what do they call that stuff? The nebulae? Is that right? And, and, and then the, the proton and, and the, the, the uh, uh, neutron are stuck together. And back in the 40s, they were saying, if we could just find a way to split those, that proton and that neutron, divide them, it would release an enormous amount of energy. Hmm. I think all creation is made up of some essence of God, right? Didn't he say that? All creation bears God's mark. Ain't that right? You look at a tree, you say, God made that tree, unless you don't want to retain him. They split. Now, that, now that, that electron was always, you know, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. He's always been out there active. But the Father and the Son were always together until the Son became a man and came to earth. And then he was split even further from that when he died and went into hell. But the Bible says there was great power released. When Jesus walked this earth, everywhere he went, I mean everywhere he went, he healed the sick. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth when he became a man, split from his father. Oh, glory be to God. He, he went about doing good and healing all. Everybody say all. All that were oppressed of the devil, for God was still with him. How was he with him? He was with him in the, in the spirit. This is awesome, awesome. Awesome. Great power was released to mankind when Jesus, when that Adam was split. But here, science has gone a little further than splitting the Adam. 
They've come up with something called fusion. That's shoving those molecules or those, those particles back together. And they found out that when you shove them back together, it makes the splitting of it look like it had no power at all. Nuclear fusion is infinitely more powerful than nuclear fission. Is that right? Or splitting it. Many times more powerful. And Jesus says, the works that I do, you will do because I go back to my Father. Come on, tell somebody, your life is about to get better. He went back to the Father, and that fusion created an enormous and immeasurably more powerful outlet of the power of God throughout His body, throughout everyone who would believe on Him. Come on, high-five somebody and say, I believe it today. Well, let's see if that's true. Let's see if that's true. Let's turn to Acts chapter 14. Woo. I don't, don't mean to wear you out, but you've got to get the word in you because we're going to have enormous healing, enormous healings take place in this church. Praise God. Acts chapter 14, verse 3. I don't know how to run that machine. <laughs> Acts chapter 14 and verse 3 says, Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace. What did He give testimony to? The word of His grace. What did, what did Exodus fifteen twenty six give testimony to? The word of their obedience. How good they'd been. This gave testimony to the word of His grace. Okay? And granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands testifying to the word of His grace that signs and wonders be done by their hands. I've heard so many arguments about, well, you've got to teach the people the law before they'll, before they'll come to Christ. I say, that's hogwash. What you're supposed to do is heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out devils and let signs and wonders flourish. And that's when people will believe by the ma massive multitudes. I don't want to replace the miracle power of God with some sort of stupid argument about the law. What a flimsy thing. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. Verse 5. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also the Jews with their, uh, with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, speaking of Paul and Barnabas, they were aware of it. They became aware of it and fled unto listen. You know, sometimes there's, you just need to run. I mean, we always see Paul facing people off, but, you know, there are times when he really used his noggin and ran. It says, and they fled, praise God, unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. What did they do? Come on, what did they do? They preached the gospel. They didn't preach Exodus 15, 26. They preached the good news of Christ. What is the gospel? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's what he was preaching. And there was a certain man at Lystra impotent in his feet. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. He had heard Exodus 15, 26. No doubt. Just couldn't measure up. Impotent in his feet being a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. 
The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Where did this faith come from? Where did this faith to be healed come from? I asked you a question. Where did this faith to be healed come from? Because he had heard Paul preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He no doubt had heard the other. Finally, he heard some good news. And faith rose in his heart. You're not, oh, glory be to God. Your faith is never going to rise because I'm telling you what you need to do. Your faith is going to rise when you figure out what Jesus has already done. Hallelujah. Said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he finally crawled to his feet. No, 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 no. I misread that. What did he say? He leaped and walked and acted like you all do when you get excited about Jesus. Leaped and walked. Can you imagine? Ah, look at that. How'd you do that, Paul? I don't really know. <laughs> I just preached this simple message of the grace of God. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices and they began to, you know, the response wasn't all that great. They thought he was a God. And God knew that would happen and blessed him with that kind of miracle power working through him just the same because he wanted to heal that one guy. Everybody hear me. He wanted to heal that one guy. God loves you. There may be bad circumstances. It may make your family mad. It'll probably really make your doctor mad. Because you're not going to take that medicine anymore. not going to have to do this and that anymore. I mean, you know, it might. Most doctors are really good people, and they'd really like to see you get well. But it might make, some people, might make your pharmacist, pharmacist mad, and I think they're really good people too. But what would happen if everybody at Cornerstone Worship Center never had to go to the doctor again, never had to have... Now, I'm not saying don't... I, listen, I'm not saying don't take your medicine. I'm not saying go, don't go see the doctor. I'm just saying, what if you had no need? Can I have a good amen? What if you had no need? Wow, 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 wow. I'm going to finish here real quick. Where does the time go? We were, we were having a service one night, and, and my daughter Jennifer was overseeing the children's department at that time, and we, had a, we, we were having a, you know, the harvest festival. And it was, I think it fell on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, but it was a nighttime anyway. And so we were going to have a brief service, have some praise and worship. Then we were just going to turn the people lo left, loose to go over to the old post office building, which we just sold. The old Dwight D. Eisenhower post office, for, the, for those of you who don't know, is right down there on Lamar Street, right next door to, to where we used to have our sanctuary. And anyway, we had our children's ministry all set up over there. And, and so I got ready to turn everybody loose. Now, some of you were in that, in, in that service that night. You may remember this. I got ready to turn people loose. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, pain. And I hadn't been preaching on it or anything. I said, pain? What are you and I knew it was a word of knowledge that there were people in pain, and he wanted to heal their pain tonight. I said, okay, well, they were expecting us over there, but we've got to obey the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the Lord just told me there are people here in pain. He wants to heal your pain. So about, I don't know, 10 or 15 people came forward, just, just like that. I said, got to hurry, got to hurry, got to hurry. My daughter's in charge of the children's ministry, and she gets real mad at me if I don't turn people loose in time. <laughs> Jessica's a lot nicer. But, uh, Jennifer, so I... Uh, had people all across there, and we, we started ministering to them. And, 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 you know, Pastor Troy was over in Little Lamb, and he had brought people over, and he had a young woman with him by the name of Rachel who was scheduled three days from there, I think it was on Wednesday, to have back surgery because she had a piece of her spinal column that had been broken out in a car wreck, and she had had intense pain in her back ever since. And it was, it was, it was working on her back so that she, so that she couldn't, couldn't really walk much. 
And they were real concerned about the pressure it was going to cause and all that. It was just a bad, bad situation. And Troy said, he's, talk, he's talking to you. She said, oh, no, I can't go down there. This girl was marginally in the church. I mean, just barely there. You know what I mean? She went once a month whether she needed to or not. She, she, she just wasn't real committed. She just, she'd just gotten saved and just barely, barely in the things of God. And, and Rachel's standing there. And he said, go down there. I'm talking to you. No, 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 no. Feel embarrassed. So I, I called for the pastors to come and help me. So they came down and Pastor Troy came around this end. And when he came down, she had walked straight down to me and stood in front of me. God just brought her. And I just prayed for her, ministered to her. She said, I have pain in my back. Okay, mm, prayed for her. Prayed for this one, prayed for that one, prayed for this one. The next day, she was scheduled. It was a Sunday night because it was Monday. She went back to the doctor. And they were going to do preliminary, uh, you know, uh, more tests and x-rays just to, you know, to put the marks on her body and get ready for this surgery. But her surgeon happened to have been, happened to have been called away on a family emergency. And so they had a stand-in guy who was going to prep her and get her all ready. Hopefully the surgeon would be back in time and all that. There was a, some mix-up on her paperwork. And the guy said, I can't find your paperwork. Miss, I'm going to have to take new x-rays today. He said, she said, well, okay. So he, he takes her in there, takes all these x-rays, puts them up there, calls her back there, says, where's the problem here? She said, well, it's supposed to be between this and that and this and that. Said, well, you... You don't, have a, you don't have a broken back. There's not anything. I can't find a thing wrong here. Are you in pain? She said, no. She said, I was up until Sunday. He said, what happened Sunday? She said, well, I went forward at church. They prayed for me, and the pain went away. I hadn't had any pain since then. <laughs> he pulled the x-ray down and said, I'm canceling your surgery, and she walked out of there completely whole. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We didn't tell her how, how much she needed to perform. You get your life right and God will heal you. Preacher, why don't you get your life right and quit? Do the rest of us a favor. Preach the gospel of Christ. Preach the gospel of Christ. It is the gospel, the good news. Everybody say it's good news. Amen. I had students not too long ago ask me, say, why, do we, why do they see miracles all, all overseas but we hardly see them in the United States? I said, that's real simple. Real simple. What do they preach over there in those crusades? Christ died for our sins and according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And to prove it, he's going to heal all of you that are here. That's what they tell them. And that's why they get miracles. No wonder. No wonder it's not happening in America. Because we no longer preach the gospel. Woo! It's happening in this little piece of America. Glory be to God. Amen. Can I have a good amen? Oh, I love this. God loves you today. I'm going to save the rest of this message for next week. I've preached myself completely happy. <laughs> we'll pick it up right there next week. I'll share a little bit. Pastor Eric's going to be teaching on the, on the communion. And I'm going to tell you, get your expectation up. Get your, that thing that has plagued you maybe for years. I want you to come next Sunday morning. Scott Johnson Middle School on community. We're going to inaugurate that place. There's been other churches meeting there, but these stones are going to wake up next Sunday morning. They're going to have a story to tell. Glory be to God.
Amen. I want to ask you to bow your heads just for a few moments. Thank you.